Thank you so much. If you got your Bibles, open up to the book of Revelation. We are in uh, a series called The Reigning King. We're in Revelation chapter 16 today, and we're continuing on. Uh, we are going to be looking at the seven bowls of wrath that continue in the three different sets of visions, the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls. And I, I believe I've been teaching from this angle and from this uh, standpoint that these bowls are symbolic. They, re, they retell the same story that God is holy, that God is just, that he sent his son to this earth, that he laid his life down because there is an enemy, a real enemy, a literal enemy called Satan, the great deceiver, the great dragon who seeks to, to steal, kill, and destroy. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to uh, die on behalf of man so that we might have a way to have our relationship with him restored. And they continue to tell that story. They continue to tell that story that one day, literally, we're going to see Jesus come back. But symbolically, he's using these stories to help us to be able to see those things. You know, uh, those of you in here who know me well, uh, I, there are some of you in here who do. I, I, I love the movie, the series, Jason Bourne, whether it's Born Identity, uh, Born Supremacy, or the Born Ultimatum. Uh, like, it, people will text me and say, hey, do you realize this is on? I'm going, oh, yeah, I realize this is on. I got, listen, I probably have those movies recorded like 10 times over. It's like, if there's a free moment, hey, let's, let's watch a Born movie, you know? My family is not in on those things, and you realize that, like, Probably by the time you get home, it's somewhere on the channel, somewhere. It's always on. But that, that, those three movies, Identity, Supremacy, and Ultimatum, they all tell the same story. They just retell the same story about a guy named David Webb from Missouri who was recruited in the CIA. He got into a black ops organization, Black Briar Treadstone, for those of you who are wondering. He gets into that organization, and he ends up malfunctioning. Uh, you know, he does all these secret ops things. And, uh, and when I say malfunctioning, he wakes up one day and doesn't remember who he is or why he's doing what he's doing. And all three of these movies are about him tracing back to figure out who am I and why am I doing what I am doing? And it reintroduces in every one of these movies, you may see a different scenario. It may be a different city. They bring in some new characters, but the story is the same. Now, I want to be really careful here, and I want to make sure that you understand when I say this. Uh, this is similar to what we've seen in the three different visions of the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls that we're going to see today. Listen, born is not God. You need to hear that. The story that, we, that I'm talking about, I'm, I'm using it to illustrate. But I will tell you this, most of the great epic stories, and you see where I just put born, uh, whether it's the Lord of the Rings, whether it's uh, Narnia, whether it is, even for those of you who have read the Potter books, they all tell a great epic story. And I need you to hear me. They're all shadows of the one epic story. They're all shadows of that story. And so what we're seeing today as we begin to look here and what we're going to be able to see is a different perspective. And they're all telling the same story. What story are they telling? That God is holy, that he is righteous, and that he is just, and he is going to vindicate his name one day. That all things, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I need you to hear this. If you follow Jesus Christ, all wrongs will be made right one day. 
That's the story of Revelation. This is what John is doing, and he is using symbolic language, I believe, to help us to see that. In each of these passages, whether it is the seals, whether it is the trumpets that have blown, whether it is the bowls that are going to be poured out, these are acts of God's mercy and justice, or acts of mercy and grace to call us to himself. He continues to give us the opportunity to come, to come, to come. But I need you to hear, he's not always going to strive with men, the scripture tells us. He's not always going to do that. And I think we're going to see here in just a few moments, if you will, what that's going to look like. And I need you to hear me. Today, in this very room, in this very room, there are those of you in here who know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And we're going to see two things today. That would be four. We're going to see two things today, all right? If you're taking your notes, I hope that you'll thumb them in. Here's the first thing you're going to see. You're going to see that we're called to wake up and repent. If you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he's brought you here today, and he is going to call you. He's going to stir you to wake up and to repent, to turn. Turn from your life of sin and to to wake up and repent. If you are a follower of Christ, here's the next, here's the the second piece that you're going to see. He's calling you to wake up and worship, to wake up and worship. And I'm not just talking about singing. I'm talking about the style, our lifestyle, how we live each and every day. If you got your Bibles, we're going to read chapter 16 today. All right. 21 verses. We're going to read this. So if you've got your Bibles, open up. The book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible, in case you don't know. If you don't have it, you don't have a copy, it'll be on the screen. But let's begin to read. Remember, Revelation is written by the Apostle John, and this is what he says. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels. These are the seven angels that we were introduced to last week in chapter 15. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth and and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshiped its image. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea and it became like the blood of a corpse and every living thing that was in the and every living thing that was in the sea. The fourth, the third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel say, in charge of I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, Just are you, O holy one, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. That's a pretty strong word right there. It is what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, yes, Lord God, the almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. And they were scorched by the fierce heat. And they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. And people gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for the pain and their sores. They did not repent 
of their deeds. Verse 12, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. They are demonic, for they are demonic spirit, spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole earth to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. Verse 15, behold, now this is in red. That means Jesus is speaking this here. It says, behold, I am coming like a thief. That should be familiar to some of you. Behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays away, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. And they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Verse 17, the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, it is done. And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder and, and a great earthquake such as there had never been since man was on earth. So great was the earthquake. The great city was split into three parts and the cities of the nations fell and God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of wine of the fury of his wrath. You should remember that from last week. And every island fled away and no mountains were to be found. And great hailstones, about 100 pounds each, fell from heaven on people. And they cursed God for the plague of the hell because the plague was so severe. Now, I want to make sure, and I want to say something here real quickly. Uh, I've been interpreting this. I've been reading this. And I believe that me personally, the way that I've been teaching, is best interpreted from the standpoint with uh, the book of Revelation to be symbolic, now, I want to make sure that you hear me. Can God, do, can God turn Stones River and Percy Priest into all blood? You better believe he can. Can there literally be 100-pound hailstones that happen? You better believe he can. Our God can do anything. I want to make sure that I say that. Everybody hear me. He can do anything. I believe, though, as I've been teaching through this, that the book of Revelation is best read symbolically, though. Because you have to begin to wonder and ask, when is it literal? When is it symbolic? When it's speaking things like dragons and frogs that are coming out of the mouth of dragons. and the, uh, can, can that happen? You need to hear me. Yes, it can. Our God can do anything. He saved me and he saved you. And you know where we were. He can do it all. But I believe as we walk through here, it, it, it's best that we interpret this passage from the standpoint, symbolically speaking, all right? Now, when that, I need you to make sure and hear me. That, that does not mean that I don't believe this to be a very literal book. There's a literal man named John who wrote a literal letter to seven literal churches, all right? He, Jesus is going to literally return one day, and the scripture says we're all going to see him. That's going to happen. And we literally are going to stand before the throne of God. You need to hear me say that. I don't want anyone to walk away going, does that guy really believe the Bible? I do believe the Bible. I've stacked my whole life on this right here. I've staked my life on it. 
But I believe as we look at this, it's best that we look at it from a symbolic standpoint. And I need you to hear me. John wrote, John wrote with the language that he knew to write in the most descriptive way that he could write it. But you need to hear me as he wrote. And and listen, judgment is jaw-dropping. As I'm reading this, I'm having to keep myself talking because if I'm reading it, I could get into into the state of just going, whoa, you mean to tell me? As bad as it sounds, I want you to hear me, it's a thousand times worse than than we could ever imagine. As great as heaven is going to be, it's a thousand times greater than anything you and I could ever imagine. What we hear and what we see, it's going to be even better What's being pointed right here is this, is that God, he's giving us this description, and I'm not going to walk all the way through each of these bowls and diagnose them and dissect them. You want to go back to the trumpet judgments, all right? In our series on the trumpets, go back, and you'll hear me walk through each and every one of these. But what you do begin to hear is that these trumpets and these bowls, they line up and they mirror one another, And you heard in here, I hope that you heard, those of you who have followed Christ for a while, this is very much the Exodus story. This is very much the Exodus story. You're seeing the plagues that came from the Exodus. Now, you see that in the trumpets, you see this in the bowls. You see it in the trumpets and you see it in the bowls. What's happening there is that God in Exodus, when he's bringing the children of the Hebrew children, the Israelites, the Jews out of captivity, he's leading them on a great exodus to a promised land. And I need you to hear me. Today, one of the reasons I think John uses the language symbolically of the exodus is because he is delivering us from our bondage, from our exile, and he is taking us to a promised land that's greater than anything you and I have ever known. Thank you. I was wondering if somebody's out here with me. (laughs) He's leading us somewhere. He's taking us somewhere. God is not a cosmic bully casting down hailstones and Lightning bolts, can he do that? Yes, he can. But what he's doing here is he's helping us to understand that he is holy, he is righteous. Jesus is on his throne today, and one day he is going to come and take us home with him. His righteousness, his righteousness, God's righteousness, under which we get in on because of Jesus Christ and us surrendering our life to him. We get in on that, not because of anything we've done. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. That means everything you try to do that's good, it stinks. It stinks. Outside of Jesus Christ, Outside of Jesus Christ, we get in. And what, what this picture is telling us is that in the seals, he broke the seals. They blew the trumpets. They're pouring out bowls of wrath here. That was tread. Remember in 15, that was tread in the wine press of God's wrath. Those bowls have been filled up and now they're about to be poured out. And what are they poured out on? Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Romans 1.18. If you got a Bible, I want you to go and look at it with me, all right? Romans 1.18. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans 1.18 says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And here's what I think he's doing right now. In this passage, 
he is calling us, hey, wake up. Wake up. You've been slumbering. You've been sleeping. You got comfortable on your couch. And I need you to hear today. I've brought you here because I want you to wake up. I want you to wake up. Whether you follow Christ or not, he's speaking and he's brought you here today. And my prayer is, is that as we're moving through the greater exodus, the one going to the promised land, the, the true promised land, heaven, my prayer is, is that you would begin to see that today. Verse 2, look at verse 2, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speed walk, all right? So I want you to stay with me. Verse 2, verse 2, the first angel pours out his bowl on the earth, and it's painful sores, verse 2 tells us. And they, who, does, who do those sores afflict? All of those who worship the beast. So if you follow Jesus Christ, oftentimes what happens is, is we get a little freaked out. We start seeing these judgments, and we start going, oh, no, oh, no. Listen, these judgments aren't for those of us who have surrendered our lives to Christ. These judgments are for those who have never surrendered their life to Christ. And why does he allow these judgments to come? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So that between one and two or two and three or four and five, we wake up. We wake up and we realize, God, you're doing something. What are you doing and it says, that, it says that he pours them out on man and beast. This, this, you know, this, this mirrors, excuse me, he pours them out on men. This mirrors the sixth plague in Exodus. It mirrors them where, where it was poured out on man and beast. And who is it poured out on? Those who have taken the mark of the beast. What is the mark of the beast? It's your lifestyle. It's your lifestyle. You realize you don't need a mark on you somewhere to identify who you follow. How you live tomorrow morning, this afternoon is going to show everyone around you, do I trust Jesus? Do I follow him? Or am I following the beast, the great dragon, the deceiver, Satan, who is literal? Satan is literal. All of these other names for him describe who he is. And it says, all who follow, all who've taken that mark, listen, God says, I'm going to pour out a judgment that is going to mark you, and it is going to be horrible. Why? To get our attention, to wake us up. Look at verse 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4, the second and third bowls, they're very similar. What they do is they affect the waters, the streams, the rivers. It says it turns them to blood. And this goes, back to, uh, the this goes back to the first plague in where the Nile River turned to blood. You remember what happened in the Nile River when it turned to blood? It said all the fish floated. They all died. And this is exactly what happens here in, in the third and the fourth bowl, or excuse me, the second and third bowl. They, they all float. They all float. Now, I, I want to make sure, okay, I don't think the Percy Priest, I don't think Stones River is going to turn to blood. Can it happen? Yes, it can happen. But here's what I think is happening. Because in this day in which this was written, this symbolically lets you realize and understand that they were an agricultural society. Their food, their commerce, everything about them was dependent on the Nile River. Everything about the, the, the lifestyle of them was about eating fish. They, this was their sustenance. This is how they this is how they made a living. Do you, remember, do you remember the disciples? They were fishermen. And this, I believe, is saying, listen, I, 
I'm bringing economic disaster on the world. I'm bringing economic disaster on the world. Some of you right now may be thinking, I'm in my greatest days right now. My business is going crazy. Listen, this is why we never interpret scripture based on who we are and our circumstances. Because right now our world is in a world of mess, aren't we? I think what he's saying here is, look, you've been trusting in all kinds of economies. You've been trusting in all kinds of finances. You've put your trust in stuff and money, and I'm going to wipe it out. I'm going to wipe it away. Look at verses uh, 8 and 9. Verses 8 and 9 begin to talk about the fourth bowl. The fourth bowl is poured out on the sun. This goes back to the ninth plague, where in Egypt... You remember, it went under total darkness. The sun went completely dark. All of Egypt went dark, except for one spot. Do you remember where that spot was? Uh, If you grew up in a church, especially an old, small country church, we talked about the land of Goshen. The land of Goshen is where in Egypt, all of the Hebrew people, all the Jews, all the Israelites lived in the land of Goshen. And the scripture tells us in Exodus, that when that plague happened, when that came to be, all of Egypt went dark except for one spot. You know where it was? Where God's people were. This plague here, it says they pour it out onto the sun, and it doesn't, listen, the lights don't go out. What happens is the heat turns up. It says they were scorched. Did you see that in that passage? It says they were scorched by the fierce heat, and what did they do? They cursed God. Listen, here's what's happened. Their their economics are gone. Their bodies have been afflicted. They're burning up, literally. Folks, the last couple of weeks have been hot, have they? I mean, literally, it's been hot here. All of these things that God uses to get our attention that he's been using for the last 2,000 years since he's gone back to heaven to get our attention, to get our attention, saying, wake up, wake up, wake up. And what did they do? It says they cursed God. They didn't repent. Do you remember what happened when Pharaoh didn't repent? The dial just turned, trying to get his attention. Some of us in here today, the dial keeps turning in your life. And what the Lord is using in your life to call you and say, hey, wake up. Wake up, turn, come back to me, come to me, come to me, come to me. Oftentimes what ends up happening is, is we just we don't we don't see it from a spiritual perspective. And we just can you believe this world? Or we, as the scripture says, we curse God. The only one that can save you and you curse him. The only one that can change your situation. And we curse him. Do you know what we have to do for him to change our situation? Is come to him. Not curse him, but come to him, the scripture tells us. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 tells us this, that the fifth bowl was poured out, and it's poured out on the throne of the beast, the scripture tells us. It's poured out on the the throne of the beast. All throughout scripture, darkness is a symbol. It's a symbol of evil and chaos. And I believe the Lord is going to allow chaos 
to happen in our world. Some of you right now, you're already facing personal chaos in your life. Some of you, you recognize this more than others. He's gotten your attention. Your family life is upset. Your finances are haywire. You feel like you're losing, you're not certain if you're going to have a job tomorrow. There's disease, there's COVID, there's cancer, there's all of this stuff. And you know what? The Lord allows that under his sovereignty to come to you. Why? Wake up. Wake up. Do you remember the story of Elijah in the Old Testament? He had had a great battle, defeated the prophets of Baal. He got scared and he took off running. So this, he, he ran past a, a chariot. He got all the way into a cave. The Lord fed him. The Lord put him to sleep, got him up, took him to the mouth of the cave. It says there was a great earthquake. It says there was a howling wind. It says the rocks were falling. And in each of those things, he didn't hear God's voice. It says then all of a sudden, there was a still, small voice. And when he heard that voice, it says he trembled. You know what, I've, here's what, here's what I've discovered. Circumstances usually, and I'm, this is going to seem counterproductive to what I'm teaching. Some of you may go, what? This doesn't feel right to me. You know, circumstances don't bring people to Christ. It's the gospel. Circumstances get our attention, though. Do you know that when I find, what I have found is that when people are in crisis, when they're facing major change in their life, they are open And do you know what they need? They need you and me as followers of Christ to come in to that crisis moment and talk to them about how Jesus has changed us, where he has been our rock. He has been our strong point. And we don't do it coming in, banging on the McDonald's table. We do it over coffee and we, let me tell you about what Jesus has done. He's changed me. You see, when we come in with that still, small, quiet voice, the voice of the Spirit in His Word, you realize my words mean nothing today, don't you? They really don't. They don't mean anything. It's what God has to say to us here. I believe He's pointing us to the fact that He is calling us, church, wake up. Wake up. What you see as a cursing in your life, I'm using it as a calling in your life right now. Calling you to wake up. Calling you to turn to me. Calling you to come back to me. Hey, listen, Lord, we'll wait and see if it's the Lord, all right? But I I feel like right now, uh, listen, Charlie and Faith Russell are in a, I mean, they're in a bad situation. But can I tell you how many people are turning to the Lord because of what they're seeing in Charlie and Faith and their, their struggles. What you could curse, what they could curse, they're asking God, God, would you save people in the middle of it? Folks, today, if you don't know Christ, don't curse where he has, where he has you. You come to him. Come to him. He wants to change your life today. In this moment, look at verses 12, and, 12 through 16. In verse 12 through 16, the sixth bowl, like the sixth trumpet, deals with the river Euphrates. 
The scripture tells us in that passage there that what ends up happening is, is that the river, they pour the bowl of wrath out on the river Euphrates and it dries up. Do you remember what the river, for those of you who have been a part of us for a while, as we've talked about this, the river Euphrates is, is where all of the enemies of God, the enemies of Israel, the Jewish people came from. You had Assyria, you had the Babylonians, they were dragged off into exile. It was a symbol of an evil place where disaster comes. Well, here, what it says is, is they poured the bowl out and the river dried up. And what did it do? It dried up. And the very next thing that happens is it says that they saw the, the great dragon, saw the first beast and the false prophet, and out of their mouths came frogs. What were those frogs doing? It says these frogs were, were demonic spirits going about stirring up trouble breathing lives to the king of the earth, to the kings of the earth who would come against the Holy One of God. I want you to hear. Some of you are listening to lies today from the evil one. It's talking in your voice, talking in your ear. You're hearing it. He's talking against who you truly are as a follower of Christ. Some of you in here today, you don't follow Christ. And you know what he's speaking to you right now? That dude's an idiot. Don't believe anything he says. And I need you to hear this. Stop listening to the lies of the evil one. Because he is assembling armies. He is assembling his powers against God. And his intent and purpose is to drag you away, to keep you from surrendering your life, to keep you from walking in the power of God. It says they, brought, they came to a place and assembled at a place called Armageddon. We're not going to camp here this week. We're going to do that in another week or two. We're going to come back to it. So just hold on. Everybody wants to hear about Armageddon. We're going to talk about it. We're not going to do it this moment, though. Verses 17 through 21 leads to the final bowl, the final bowl. It says, when the seventh angel poured out this bowl into the air, John heard a loud voice. And what was the loud voice? It's done. It's done. Does that sound familiar to you somewhere from another book that John wrote in the, in the, uh, in the Gospels when Jesus was on the cross? When he cried out, it is finished. It's over. This is why John says in chapter 15 that this is great. This is great and amazing signs here. Why? Because the wrath of God is done. Now, we, we've not seen the final judgment yet. There's still going to be an outworking, but the visions of wrath, the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls, it's finished. It's over. And it says at this moment, there was lightning, there were peals of thunder, there was an earthquake like had never, ever happened before. If you've got a pen and paper, I want you to write down this. The seventh bowl mirrors the seventh seal in chapter six. I want you to go back and look at that this afternoon or this week. So the seventh bowl mirrors and parallels the seventh seal. The seventh bowl also mirrors and parallels the seventh trumpet the seventh trumpet in chapter 11. I want you to go back and see because at each of those, there was a, it's, it, it's a picture of the end. There's lightning, there's thunder, there's earthquakes, there's peals, there's people exclaiming. This is why I would say, I think all of these show the same story. 
they're giving it a different way. They're letting you be able to see it a different way so that you would know, listen, Come to Jesus, come to the king, not the king who one day will reign, the king who is reigning today, the king who desires to reign your life today. Come to him, come to him now. On that last day when he pours out that final bowl and we don't know when it's gonna happen. For some of you today, you're thinking, can life get worse? It can. It can. You know, in Matthew 24, when Jesus talks about those last days are going to be like the, the pangs of birth, and those birth pangs get stronger and stronger and stronger. You don't know when the last one's going to happen, but there is a last one. Listen, as bad as it is today, I don't know if this is the last one. I don't know when it's going to be, but I know that it progressively gets worse and worse and worse. And today, he calls you, turn to him. So with that, quickly, let's look at the two points. Look at these, these two points. He's called us to wake up and repent. That's the first one. Verse 15, I want to kind of camp for verse 15 for just a few moments, and I do mean a few moments. Revelation uh, 16, 15, Jesus is speaking. It's in red, and he says this, behold, I am that's massive. When Jesus calls himself, I am, when he says, I am, he is identifying that he is God, okay? He says, I am. He says, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake. Wake up. Blessed is the one who, I didn't mean to scare y'all. <laughs> Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go around naked, and be seen exposed. You read this again in Revelation at the beginning, in Revelation chapter three, verse three, when he's talking to Sardis. He says, listen, I'm gonna be coming like a thief in the night. He speaks this in Matthew chapter 24. He says, the son of man is gonna come like a thief at night. You need to be awake. Nobody knows the hour, the day, the time. Not even me, Jesus says. Only the father in heaven. First, First Thessalonians chapter five, when Paul is speaking, when Paul is speaking to the Thessalonians, he says, you need to be prepared for the last day because it's gonna happen like a thief. He's going to come like a thief. Peter in his book, 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter three, I believe it is. He says, listen, the, 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 the Lord is going to come like a thief. He says, and you think it's slow? He doesn't, the, we, the Lord doesn't count slowness the way we count slowness. Why does he not count slowness? Because he is graceful and merciful. He does not want anyone to come to, to, to be left behind. But what we do know is that there will be some. And today he's brought you here to wake you up so that you will surrender your life to Christ. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you're facing. I don't care what you've tried. Jesus is it. Jesus is it. Okay. That's what he's calling us to today. He's calling you to that. You know, um, in our homes, I don't know about you guys, and at my home, I have a ring doorbell. I've got a camera inside. I've got floodlights everywhere. I don't have the personal protection thing, uh, but I do have a bat. Just be ready. <laughs> you know why I have those? Because I, I, you know, I want to be prepared. I don't know, if a, I don't know when a thief is going to come. It's not like they sent me a note and said, hey, guess what? I'm coming to your house tonight. That's the whole point. We're, 
I want to be ready. And I, what I'm afraid of today is that there are people who are asleep on the couch with the doors open, the windows open, just going about life. And he has brought you here today to say, wake up, wake up. Listen, this right here, this isn't a might be. This is a guarantee. He, I just told you four different places in the New Testament where he says, it's gonna happen like a thief in the night and you need to be ready. You get ready, he's coming. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to wake up. I want you to turn from this lifestyle and I want you to follow this lifestyle, the way of life. The thief, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus said. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus identifies that he's gonna come like that. No one knows the day or time. But he says, when I come, it's not gonna be still kill, and destroy. It's gonna be a life and life abundantly. He's called us to wake up. Let me ask you this. Oh, are you asleep? Do you hear the alarm going off? Do you hear it? For some of you, the alarm is like, it's that ugly, you don't like it. But right now, I want you to know the alarm that's happening in your spirit that you're sensing, it's that soft soothing that's coming forth, saying, trust me, come to me, give it to me. All of this, I want you to, I have life for you. I have life abundant for you. In the book of Exodus, while they were in the middle of the desert, Moses says, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Today, if you hear his voice, if you hear the alarm, don't harden your heart. Not only is he calling you to wake up and repent, believers, it's for you too. He's calling you to wake up and worship. And I'm not talking about just singing. You, listen, singing is entry level. That's entry level. We ought to be singing. We ought to be making a joyful noise every week we get here. But you know what? Tomorrow morning, you need to make a joyful noise. You, you're not just in your voice, but in the way that you live. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 says that we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices that are holy and pleasing, acceptable. Because that's our spiritual act of worship. How we live. Believers, if we're not careful, we're sleeping on the couch ourselves. Listen, C.S. Lewis talks about the little boy who is happy and content playing in a mud puddle in his front yard when a vacation at the beach is available. Folks, as believers, we need to get out of the mud puddle. Get up. The Lord has so much for you. He is calling you to wake up and to worship him. Worship him with your life. Worship him with your voice. Listen, do you realize that there are some people who will understand the gospel when you start to speak it to them? And some of you are going, I don't know enough verses. Here's what I do know. If your life has been changed by Jesus Christ, when you start talking about how Jesus has changed you, again, I'm not talking about getting on the table at McDonald's. You, if he calls you to do that, you do it. But I'm talking about just when you're having coffee, you're just talking about, my life's been changed. I once was lost, now I'm found. 
My life was in turmoil. My wife, do you realize my wife was going to leave me? And yet, today, because of Jesus, my marriage is saved. Did you realize that I once was addicted to this, and because of Jesus, my life is different? Do you realize that my finances were crazy, upside down? I don't have any more money, but I do have enough money to meet the month now, and that's because of Jesus. Folks, listen, it's time to wake up and worship God generously with our finances. It's time to wake up and worship God faithfully with how you're discipling your family, how you're talking about Jesus. Some of you are going, well, how do I talk about Jesus? Well, it's number one, here's your assignment today. When you go home today, I want you to use the name of Jesus in your home. I want you to talk about something he's done. I hope, one, I hope you talk about Riverdale. But you know what I want you to talk about more than Riverdale? Talk about Jesus. If you talk about Riverdale, you may not get to Jesus. If you talk about Jesus, you'll get to Riverdale. And some of the reason we don't talk about Jesus with our friends when we talk about living sin is because we don't talk about Jesus at home. It's uncomfortable. You know, I don't talk about how to work on cars. You know why? It's uncomfortable. I don't know how. <laughs> Folks, we need to start talking about Jesus and what he's done in our life, how he's changed us. It's time to wake up. Church, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Those of you who don't follow Christ, he's brought you here today. We wake up. Will you follow that still, small voice that's stirring in you right now? Father, I love you, and I honor you, and I thank you. Thank you for the privilege that you give us to have your word. I thank you for, your, for the privilege we have to gather as a body. I thank you that you desire for your children to pray to you. I thank you that you desire to meet the request of your children. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that right now you would awaken people to salvation. Father, I'm asking right now, Holy Spirit, would you please give them the courage to respond now? Father, we love you and we honor you. As we respond to you now, through giving, through singing, through the submitting of our life, to you, would you be honored? We've sought to lift you up today. Jesus, you said in John that if we would lift you up, you would draw all men and women to yourself, boys and girls. You draw all men. And so we've lifted you up today. We're gonna continue to do that. Would you save people today? I'd ask that you would save this church from itself. Today, if we are in the way, would you get us out of the way? Thank you for Riverdale. Thank you for what you're doing in this community. We know it has nothing, we know it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with you, Jesus. We honor you. And it's in the name of Jesus we ask these things today. Amen. I'm gonna ask that you stand right now. Go ahead, everybody all around. As Zion comes and leads us, as Zakira and Timmy Tape come and lead, would you sing back to him? Would you live a life of worship and come and see me? I want to pray with you. I want to hear what Jesus is doing in your life today. Zion.